where he first speaks. If somebody on the street was to say they wanted to begin reading the New Testament, the first teaching of Jesus that they would encounter would be this, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And so we as a church are putting our focus toward that. We're going to have a different preacher preach the Beatitudes uh, every every Sunday night. Josh Womble did last week. Uh, I am tonight, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. And different men in the church are going to preach moving forward. Uh, next Sunday night, there is no church because it's Mother's Day. So we do not have Sunday evening service next week. It's Mother's Day. We come here to the, uh, the Beatitudes and we're going to look at verse 4. But I want you to start reading at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Josh Womble did a great job last week of explaining three things. Blessed, poor in spirit, and the kingdom of heaven. Womble concluded with blessed that he, that he most liked the meaning of satisfied. It certainly carries a happiness with it. It certainly carries the favor of God with it. It certainly carries something deeper than happiness, which he said... Um, a joy, but he took it even a step further and said he liked the word satisfied. A happiness in contentment, um, the hand of God upon you, the favor of God upon you, the attention of God upon you. That is what it means to be blessed. And then each of these Beatitudes say blessed. Blessed are you if you are poor in spirit. And Josh Womble talked about that last Sunday night. But our verse today is quite a bit different. In verse 3, it says, if you are poor in spirit, you are blessed and yours is the kingdom of heaven. You have the kingdom of heaven. You own, possess, you get the kingdom of heaven if you are poor in spirit. Verse 4 is different. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They shall be comforted. Comfort is coming to you if you mourn. Seems to, uh, to go a little different direction than verse 3. So we don't need to explain blessed tonight. Womble has done that. Happy, joyful, satisfied, a contentment, favor of God upon you, attention of God, devotion of God is toward you when you mourn. Now, mourning is not a good thing, or so it seems. We don't like to mourn. If somebody walked in here tonight, all mournful, you'd have said, hey, what's wrong? Why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you upset? What's wrong? What's going on? Right? We, we, we tend to see mourning as a bad thing. Right? Matter of fact, we would have thought that Jesus might have said, Blessed are you when you're cheerful. Right? What are you so happy for, man? You must be having a good day. And God's been good to you. Doesn't the prosperity gospel teach us to say that we're blessed when we have a lot? And Jesus here says quite the opposite. It's not happy as me, joyful as me, Content and satisfied is me when everything's good. No, Jesus doesn't teach that. Jesus says, blessed are you when you mourn. I say this at every funeral I do, that mourning is a good thing. And it's emotion we feel when we lose a loved one. I say this at funerals. It's not an emotion you feel when somebody dies. 
People die all the time, and you're not moved by that. You watch the news, you hear about it. You're not insensitive, you just don't know them. But it's an emotion that you feel when somebody you love passes away. Why? Because the love is being expressed coming out of you in sorrow, in hurt, in pain, in, 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 in feelings like that. And that, that is a mourning. A mourning uh, in that, in the, in the context of a funeral, is I'm hurting over the loss of a loved one. It's a, it's a negative emotion type of thing, a deep sadness. But here, it's not talking about that. Now, many commentators are divided on what does it mean here, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus seems to take a bad thing and says, man, it's a really good thing, man. God's blessings are all over you. Why? Because I'm so sad. What is that? I had somebody call me yesterday and say, I really need to talk. I'm sad. I didn't have the heart to say, hey, you're blessed. Jesus says, great. Because that's not the same thing. But here he says, blessed are those that mourn. And what's he talking about? Commentators are, are divided on this. And they, they, some of them seem to point at mourning over things like uh, hardship, mourning over things like uh, difficulty, maybe persecution, mourning over uh, death and challenges and, and that sort of thing. Blessed are you when life's hard. Blessed are you when you're sad. Blessed are you when trials are around you. That sort of a thing. And, and, and certainly the Bible teaches that in general, and we know that. But here in verse 4, I don't think that's what he's talking about. The other side says, blessed are you when you mourn over your sins. This is what I want you to hear tonight. That Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those that mourn, are those that mourn over their sinfulness. That's what I believe it's about. That's what I want you to get. If we were to leave now, I want you to know that. Mourning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, is over your sins. Now, does God comfort those who who mourn over anything in life? Yes, He can. Does the Bible teach that you're blessed during trials? Yes. Okay? The Bible teaches that. Matter of fact, jump down for just a second to verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. See, there we have that sort of a concept, which is throughout uh, the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, that, that the blessing of God is upon you even in trials, even in difficulty. Okay, You have that message in the Bible. That's the paradox, right? If you want to be great, be last, right? Nobody thinks that you're blessed if you're the one down dirty washing stinky feet, but Jesus says, that's how I do it. That is what God is like. So that principle is there. We don't want to say that's not what it is. It is, it is fine and dandy. I think healthy at a funeral to say if you're mourning right now, blessed are you. God comforts you in that. But I'm saying that more specifically in verse four, blessed are those who mourn is referring to over our sins. One commentator says that it is those that mourn is those who groan under the burden of sorrow and guilt. Those who groan under the burden of sorrow and guilt. I want to ask you here today, if you're aware of your sinfulness. Josh Womble pointed out the parable in Luke 18 19 last Sunday night of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Womble said that this parable perhaps most embodies Matthew 5, 3 or the Beatitudes in total. 
the religious guy, the Pharisee, prayed like this. Father, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I fast two times a week. I give all of my tithes. I'm not like this man over there. And then Jesus said there's another man, tax collector, that stood far off and couldn't even lift his head up, but beat his chest and said, Father, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Why did he ask for mercy? Because he knew he was a sinner. Why did he stand far off? He didn't want to be seen and didn't want to, to be up there like he had something to, to show off. Why couldn't he lift his head? He, he, was, he was burdened by his sin. Jesus said only one of those two went home saved, and it was not the first. This man was mournful over what? His sins. This man was groaning under the burden of sorrow and guilt. And this specifically is what I believe Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are you when you mourn. I want to ask you, do you mourn over your sins? I want to ask you, when was the last time that you said, I need to put a time out on life I'm kind of getting out of control. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. My attitude is not the attitude of a born-again believer. My selflessness is not the selflessness of those who have been crucified with Christ. And when was the last time that you put a time out, you put a break in your schedule, you took a Thursday night or a Friday night to literally do nothing so that you could recalibrate, so that you could get back to what it means to set your eyes upon Christ and set your mind upon the things that are above, so that you could turn your eyes upon Jesus and let the world look dim? When was the last time that your sins drove you to focus on life? And get right with Jesus. When was the last time, realistically, that you got down beside your bed like this and maybe even closed the door so that you could pray to God? And when was the last time you said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner? And if you can't recall the last time, then you're not very mournful over your sins. And if you don't mourn over your sins, Jesus does not call you blessed. And God is not comforting you in your mourning. The beauty of Matthew 5, 4 and the Beatitudes is blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Isaiah 61, 2 gives us the promise, God speaking through Isaiah to the people, that God says, God will comfort all those who mourn. If you mourn over your sins, God is able to comfort you in that. He does that. Blessed are those that mourn. I want you to think of a few passages. You remember John chapter 14, a passage that's also familiar? Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. God is a comforting God. He sees us in our trouble and he says, believe in God. You remember uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me that my yoke is easy and that my burden is light. God is a comforting God. God knows us to be upset. God knows us to be distraught. God knows us to be burdened. And He's able to comfort us in that. We are to know at the very core the principles of what it means to be a Christian, living by faith, trusting in Jesus, is that we sin, that God hates our sins, and that we are to hate our sins. Being a Christian in mourning should be an everyday thing to us. Not suicidal, not depressed and, 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 and running from God, but looking to the cross and, trust, and trusting, but being aware of our sinfulness, knowing that our sins are washed away, but mournful over our 
sins. Let's listen to a few songs that speak to this really well. One that you may know is Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. You know, this song is so popular, we sing it everywhere, it's played all the time, and yet in that song, you have one saying, I'm a wretch. I once was lost. I once was blind. Those are bad things. And if somebody really believes that about themselves, they're mournful over their sins. All the health that there is in saying, I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I rebel. I'm not right. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. This is the very core of the entire message of that great song, Amazing Grace. We love that song because of the grace that is found to a wretched sinner. But the truth is that the person who wrote and and penned and sings Amazing Grace says, I'm a wretch. Jesus says, blessed are you if you know that you're a wretch. Blessed are you in that morning. God will comfort you right there. He will find you. He will save you. He will forgive you. That's where we're at. Soren Kierkegaard, I had to read this book when I was in seminary, wrote a book called Sickness Unto Death. And in his book, Sickness Unto Death, he says that the person that is lost, but is all messed up and depressed and sick and done away with and miserable and suicidal and all that, is much closer to finding God than the person living life lost that's just got it going on. The person that's living the good life. The person that's the, that's the decent dad or decent co-worker or good friend or, or saving their money or working hard or playing sports or whatever. And this whole book is based upon the idea that there is a sickness unto death and that is our sinfulness. And what it means to be a sinner is that things aren't right and the climax of that, if nothing is done, is that we will die miserably. And we will stand before God, rejected by God. And the whole idea of sin is wrong, wrong, wrong. Sin is bad. And so he writes this book saying, you show me a person that's down and out, miserable, crying, pouting, hating life or whatever. They are closer to understanding gospel truth than the man is who thinks he's got it all together. Brilliant. Now, it makes life hard because that's reality. And we tend to like our friends, even our lost friends, to kind of be nice. And he's saying, yeah, but that's not the way the gospel works. He's saying, blessed are those that mourn. Hey, if you've got some lost people in your life, and they're mourning, they're upset, they're crying, they need help. Remember Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are you. You're on your way to being comforted. Jesus didn't come for the healthy, did he? came for the sick. He came to heal the sick. He didn't come for the free, did he? No. He came for the slaves, the captives. Why? To set them free. If you say to me, I don't need to be set free, then I'm going to say, you don't need a Savior. If you say to me, I don't need to be healed, then I'm going to say, you don't need a Savior. But if you say to me, man, I'm all caught up in all types of bondage to sin, I'm going to say, I know just the guy. The man I referred to this morning in my sermon who rejected Christ 
Before I asked him about Jesus, I said, are you concerned about your, or is your wife concerned for you? That's when he started crying. He started crying his eyes out when I said, is your wife concerned for you? And he said, no. He's still crying. I said, are you concerned for her? He shook his head, yes. He said, if something happens to me, who's going to take care of her? This man has a, has a heart. This man feels. This man loves his wife. And then we went into the gospel. And I really was thinking, I'm still thinking, that this man is moving towards being comforted. His concerns were, is there something after this? His words to me were, there has to be More after this. That's what he said. If I came from somewhere, I must be going to somewhere. That's what he said. And I said, yes. And God can receive you there. God can comfort you there. God can comfort you in this right now. Is the message for him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Or what about the new one that we sing that says, all I have is Christ. It says, as I ran this hell-bound race, indifferent to the cross, or indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my hell-bound state. We sing this song. Is that bad? Are we morbid? Are we pessimists here? Not at all. We're aware that a sinner left to his own is literally running a race to get to hell as fast as he can. And unless someone with the gospel and love and forgiveness intervenes and tells them about Jesus, nothing's going to change. But we sing those things because we've come to know that we were in that bad state, but God has saved us. What about this one? Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? You know the song. Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Was it for crimes that I had done, He groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glories in, when Christ the mighty Maker died for man, the creature's sin? Thus might I hide my blushing face while Calvary's cross appears? Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. And here's the chorus. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the what? The burden. The mourning that's in my soul. There's a burden deep down in me that bothers me. I can't get over it. I'm not right with God. I disobey God. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. What, what's wrong with me? A wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy, blessed all the day. Blessed are those that mourn for at the cross they will find comfort in the forgiveness of sins from the Lord Jesus. Mourning over your sins, a godly grief is certainly not a bad thing. Jesus said you were blessed. Or what about this one? 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. This is a morning when all around my soul gives way. I'm mournful. He then is all my hope and stay. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in Him be found dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, comforted in our mourning. And you know the chorus, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Comforted. Mournful, yet comforted. We sing it all the time. All of our good songs, all of our good hymns point us to we had to have mourned our sins. Sins have to bother us. Sins have to be getting us down. We have to first know we're lost in order to be found. We have to first know that we need a Savior in order to be saved by that Savior. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and watch how Paul explains this. Just as Jesus says it in a verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Starting in verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make a room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, listen, what does the second half of Matthew 5, 4 say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's our verse tonight, right? Y'all are falling asleep on me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now look here at verse 6. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your what? Your mourning. The very language of Matthew 5, 4 is found in 2 Corinthians 7. Blessed are you when you mourn, for you will be comforted. Paul says we were comforted because we were mourning. Keep going. Your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. Look at verse 8. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice. Not because you were grieved. Look here. But because you were grieved into... Repenting. Folks, that is what I'm telling you Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5.4. Blessed are you when you mourn into repentance. Blessed are you when you hate your sins so much that you run to the Savior to find His love and forgiveness. Blessed are you when your sins cause you to mourn because God will comfort you. He says the very thing here uh, in verse 
9. Keep going. As I... As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, a godly sorrow, a godly mourning, so that you suffered no loss through us. Now look at verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. I must say here that if you think mourning just for the fact of mourning will bring you comfort, it will not. That is why you and I know many a people who hate life, who are upset, and who are depressed. Because they've got the mourning part down. Life's not all it's cracked up to be. We will attest to that. But they don't have the comforting side down. Hey, being aware of your sins without the comfort of God is the worst place in the world to be. Being aware of your sins with the comfort of God is the best place in the world to be. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I encourage you tonight to examine yourself to see if you sin. And every time you sin, Nate Martin used to say it all the time, and as often as you sin, repent. Be somebody who confesses sin. Be somebody who admits their sins. Don't make excuses for your sins. Don't think that you don't sin. Don't be okay because everybody else is doing it. Don't be okay because you're happy or you're content. No. Know your sins. Be mournful over them. Grieve over them. Have a godly grief for them. But be led to repentance that God may comfort you. Blessed are you and I when we mourn, for we will be comforted. Let me close us by reading... An excerpt from John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress. Many of you are probably familiar with this book, Pilgrim's Progress. It's my favorite book that I've ever read. It's the most printed book ever besides the Bible in the history of the world. No book has been made more than Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. He wrote it in the 1600s. It's an allegory about the Christian life. So it's fiction, it's not true. But he wrote it about somebody named Christian about the Christian life. So the man's name is Christian. He is living his life with a burden on his back, right? Which is what I'm talking about is what we mourn over, our sinfulness, the burdens in our life. Many of you are here tonight with great burdens on your back. Uh, Very well, maybe from, from sin. And the only answer is for God to comfort us. He says, now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And that wall was called salvation. You see how the allegory works? He's on the highway and there's walls there and those walls are salvation. He can't go anywhere else but be saved. Praise God. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run. He was burdened, but not without great difficulty. So he's running up a road that has walls on it. He can't go anywhere else. He has to run the race. Because he's saved, but there's great difficulty. But why? Because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending. And upon that place stood a cross. And a little below in the bottom, a sepulcher. That's a grave, a tomb. Listen. He sees a cross. He's running the race, a burden on his back. He sees the cross. And below the cross on the road is a tomb. You know what that represents. 
So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble. And so it continued to do till it came to the mouth of the tomb, the sepulcher, where it fell in and I saw it no more. Christian is running the race on the road leading to salvation. He sees the cross. His burden falls off. And where does it go? To the grave. Valeria has been listening to a CD from Shane and Shane that's called Bring Your Nothing. And there's a song in there where the chorus just keeps saying, put it in the grave, put it in the grave, put it in the grave. Whatever your burden is that you're mournful over, put it in the grave of Christ. Let death defeat it there where sin has no sting and death has no victory. And the risen Christ gives us salvation. Then was Christian glad and lightsome with a merry heart. He has given me rest by his sorrow and given me life by his death. Then he stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. Blessed are you when you mourn because of a burden in your life. Look to the cross and have it removed. He looked therefore and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. Now, as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him. Peace be to thee. So the first said to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. The second stripped him of his rags and clothed him with a change of raiment. The third also set a mark on his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bade him look on as he ran, that he should give it in at the celestial gate, that's heaven. So they went their way. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on singing. And here was his song. Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could aught ease the grief that was in. Till I came hither, hither, what a place is this, must here be the beginning of my bliss. Must here the burden fall from off my back, must here the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be. The man that there was put to shame for me. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am comforted all the day. Folks, it's good to mourn over your sin. Don't hear the world's advice that you have to be happy and skipper and and, and chippy and happy-go-lucky and all this stuff every day. That's fake. Hey, we sin and it grieves us. And there are days where you and I have to hate our sins, run to the cross, and be forgiven. And when that's you, blessed are you. For God comes in His comfort. The last several mornings, Carolina wakes up at like four or five or six and she screams her head off. I mean, screams her head off. I mean, we can't sleep. She's screaming so loud. And I, I'm ready to sleep through it. I'm not going in there. She needs to go back to sleep. And she'll scream and she'll scream and we'll let it go. I'll say, Val, don't go in there. Val wants to go in there and comfort her. Val, don't go in there. And she'll scream and scream and her, her bed will be Wet because she's cried so much. She's screaming. Nothing's wrong. She just doesn't want to be in there. And when you go in there, 
it's like the joyous moment you'll ever have if you're over being grumpy like I have to be for a while. You walk in there and it should be, should be screaming for an hour, seriously. And as soon as you walk in there, I mean, as soon as you open the door, she's standing up holding the edge of her crib and she's... Because you've come. I mean, it's as simple as that. Come here, pretty girl. And I pick her up and it's like, Come on, Dad. Day's going. Let's go. Let's go play. That's awesome. Thanks for coming to get me. I'm glad you came here to get me out. Y'all, she is comforted. She's comforted. Everybody in the world knows what comfort looks like. We do. It might be a hug from somebody. It might be a piece of encouragement, right? It might be a word fitly spoken. We know what it means to be comforted by people. God is a comforter to those who come with their sins. Mourning over their sins. Let's don't be proud. Let's be those who confess our sins. Because God has mercy for us there. He loves us. He will comfort us. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, thank you for the Beatitudes. I already know more about 5.3 and 5.4 than I ever have in my whole life. Studying to prepare this and listening to Josh Womble's preaching. God, you are blessing our church. You are causing us to grow in faith. Oh God, what an impact we would have upon those who know us if we were mournful over our sins. Not prideful, but humble. Not arrogant, but lowly. God, what a strength we would have in our outreach, evangelism, love, witness if we were those comforted by God. If we were those who were able to extend comfort to so many people as we have received comfort. Oh God, what power there is in those that walk in repentance. Father, bless us. Comfort us in our mourning, as only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.